Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another podcast. I'm Christina Vogt, Associate Editor of the Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Today, I'm joined by Dr. John Markman, who is a professor in the Departments of Neurology and Neurosurgery at the University of Rochester Medical Center in Rochester, New York. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Markman. Christina, thanks for having me. Today, we'll be discussing his recent study, Subcutaneous Tenezumab versus Tramadol for Chronic Low Back Pain, Efficacy and Safety Results from a 56-Week Phase Three Study with a 24-Week Follow-Up Period, which was recently published in Neurology. So first, what prompted you to conduct this study comparing these two drugs among patients with chronic low back pain and a history of inadequate response or intolerance to standard of care analgesics? Well, as you probably know, chronic low back pain is the number one cause of disability worldwide and a leading reason for folks to seek medical care. And the reality is, is that there's an enormous unmet need for non-opioid drugs to treat chronic pain. Opioids are the one of the leading classes of drugs to treat chronic pain. Uh, the other would be anti-inflammatory medications like ibuprofen or naproxen. So the prompt for this study is a global search on behalf of investigators really around the world to try and find drugs which reduce the intensity of low back pain that don't require one of those two classes of drugs. And uh, this study is particularly interesting because it is the longest and largest analgesic clinical trial ever conducted in chronic low back pain, screening over 6,000 patients and uh, conducted in eight countries at 191 sites. And again, this is also interesting because it's a novel mechanism of action in terms of how this drug works compared to those other two classes I mentioned. And uh, it's also an interesting trial because it's an antibody, it's a protein uh, that blocks nerve growth factor, a protein that circulates in the blood. And so this antibody is given once every two months. And the other interesting aspect of this study is that you know this drug not only has to be given very infrequently, but, but also has a series of trials that have already been conducted with an intravenous formulation. This formulation is subcutaneous, a small injection underneath the skin, the thigh, or the abdomen. But previously, there was a study conducted, a phase two study, uh, using an IV formulation. So this is the first study using the subcutaneous formulation. So again, this, this is part of a broader search uh, for non-opioid drugs, and it's a very large trial that was conducted in eight countries. Your study found that improvements in pain and function with tenezumab were maintained long-term, but were not significantly better than tramadol week 56. What do these findings mean for the treatment landscape for chronic low back pain that doesn't respond to standard of care therapies? Well, I think it's important to realize a couple things. You know, first and foremost, this was an efficacy trial, a trial designed to compare the active therapy, which is tenezumab, this antibody to nerve growth factor, uh, to placebo. And the reason for that is uh, this is a phase three registration trial seeking regulatory approval or FDA approval. So the design of the trial is really focused on week 16 here or four months of treatment after two doses of the medication. So that's the primary endpoint of the study. The extension phase, which you were describing just a moment ago, is largely designed to evaluate questions of safety. And in this case, safety with respect to one specific type of complication, what has to do with joints. So I think the first key point here is that uh, the trial is positive at 10 milligrams, the higher of the two doses studied here, uh, at week 16, which shows uh, separation from placebo at that time point. 
So in considering the trial, I think the first point to be made is it's a positive trial, uh, given that at the primary study endpoint, there is separation from placebo. To your point, uh, there is an active comparator in this study, both through week 16 and week uh, 56. And the reality is, is that tramadol uh, does not separate from placebo. It's not superior to placebo in this study. Uh, there are several design reasons that might explain why tramadol, uh, which, as you know, is commonly used for chronic low back pain, did not fare as well in this study as it has in some prior ones. And, and one uh, might be the fact that you mentioned earlier that the patients enrolled in this study were, quote, difficult to treat, quote, meaning they had not had response to three classes of medication previously. And the mechanism of action of a lot of the drugs uh, which they may have previously not responded to, overlap with that of tramadol. Uh, so that might explain why the patients studied here might not have been particularly responsive to tramadol, whereas uh, in other studies with low back pain populations, there has been benefit with that drug. What direction should future research take now after this study? Well, I think the next steps here are to understand which patients among those with chronic low back pain would be most likely to benefit from this therapy with the lowest amount of risk. As I mentioned earlier, it's the 10 milligram dose which separated from placebo here. So I think one place to begin is to understand whether there can be a lower dose used in a group of patients with chronic low back pain who may respond at that dose because the risk of having a joint problem is clearly related to dose in important ways. Uh, it's notable here that patients were not allowed to have significant baseline signs of osteoarthritis by imaging or by exam or history, and they were also not allowed to be treated with a con concurrent NSAID medication. And so I think that one next step would be to uh, identify patients who could have responded at a lower dose to further reduce the risk of any joint safety issues with this class of medication. And lastly, what key takeaways do you hope to leave with neurologists on this topic? Well, I think this is uh, particularly exciting because it is the first antibody treatment for chronic low back pain, number one. Number two, it has a novel mechanism of action, which has been studied for the past 60 to 70 years, uh, but has never really been uh, fully demonstrated in a pivotal trial, which is to reduce sensitization, meaning the lowering of nociceptive thresholds for patients with chronic pain. And that's been amply demonstrated here, not only in phase two studies, but now in a large global phase three study. It's also been demonstrated in osteoarthritis. So this supports the idea that the nervous system is importantly involved in modulating pain intensity, and that by targeting that modulation, you can reduce pain intensity. And that really has not been demonstrated as a class previously, so I think that's particularly exciting here. I think it's also important because this drug does not have uh, the side effects that people are most concerned about, neurologists are most concerned about with anti-inflammatory medications with regard to cardiovascular disease or with regard to addiction or sedation with opioids. So again, this has a different side effect profile, which may be of interest to uh, neurologists because they're looking for alternatives for patients with uh, pain that don't involve opioid mechanisms or anti-inflammatory. And I think lastly, uh, you know, again, it's important because uh, chronic low back pain has such a staggering unmet need, and this is only one form of low back pain syndrome, the axial musculoskeletal form. And so I think that uh, obviously this raises the question about whether other uh, chronic low back pain syndromes may be responsive to this strategy to reduce peripheral sensitization or other ones going forward. 
Thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Markman. It was really my pleasure. Thanks for the great questions. For more podcasts like this, visit consultant360.com.